West Virginia heads to Houston Thursday night to face their former head coach, Dana Holgerson. Could this be a letdown game for the Mountaineers, or will their defense continue to lead them to victory? I'm going to bring a guest on, and we're going to talk about it right after this word from my sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by Dutch Miller Automotive, where friends and family pricing means you get the best deal right up front on any new or pre-loved vehicle in stock every time. With brands like Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Kia, Hyundai, Ford, GMC, Buick, and Subaru, the Dutch Miller Automotive family is always growing and ready to put you in the car or truck you've been searching for. Check out our inventory across West Virginia at DutchMillerAuto.com or come in today to the home of friends and family pricing only at a Dutch Miller Automotive store near you. What is up, college sports fans, Big 12 fans, fellow members of Mountaineer Nation? Welcome in to another edition of Kuzis Corner. Fill yourself up to the bar and let me pour you out this shot of top-shelf college football content. On tap today, I have a very special guest that's going to help me serve you up this top-shelf content, and his name is Parker Ainsworth. Parker, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. We talked a little bit in the summer about this matchup, and now it's finally here. Um, <laughs> it's exciting, though. I'm glad I'm glad we're in the swing of things. Absolutely. And uh, Parker, go ahead and let every, before we dig into the content, man, let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah, on social media, I'm at Painsworth 512, Parker Ainsworth, and 512. Uh, the show is Locked on Cougs. We do a daily Houston Cougar show, uh, YouTube, audio platforms, wherever you get podcasts. Just 20, 30 minutes a day, very uh, bite-sized for your commute or whatever, but all thanks Houston Cougars. Um, and we've been looking forward to this one, too. And, and I'm sure uh, you have the same feelings, but I almost wish – this were a road game, and I, I, I've been kind of, I think, the the outlier on that for Houston folks. But the atmosphere in West Virginia and Morgantown for this one, people got to be pretty excited about this heading into this Thursday, right? Yeah, we are. We're excited, but a lot of us are also very nervous uh, <laughs> because, number one, losing – no offense, but losing to Dana would not be good for us <laughs> considering yeah. he left us, you know, uh, and it wouldn't be good for our sitting coach either. Number two – there's a lot of guys on the Houston team that played at West Virginia, which we may touch on later. That's concerning for me because I'm I'm worried that those guys are going to spill some secrets. And uh, <laughs> maybe I'm not, not sure how much help that does, but you know it's in the back of my mind. I mean, you know they're going to share what they know. Uh, obviously, some things have changed, but still, right? I mean, you know there's going to be some things that they can probably, you know, they practiced against these, this team every day and this coaching staff every day, so. I'm sure there are some things they can share um, that might, that may not be on tape. But uh, that's another concern. And, two, like you and I were talking, you know, before we got on here, I'm just – I worry every week because this team, even though we're, we've been winning, every game has been a nail-biter. Every game has been close. And, it, you know, one possession away or one mistake away from being a different outcome, right? So – and I just uh, – and I'm also worried this could be a letdown spot for us. You know, we're – this team has been playing with a chip on their shoulder the entire season so far, and now they're starting to get a little bit of respect. People are starting to talk about them in a positive light now. They're now the one of only two undefeated teams in the conference behind Oklahoma. So there's some things now that are starting to look more positive for West Virginia, and I'm worried, can this team handle success? You know, can they play without that chip on their shoulder? Can they find another reason to motivate themselves? You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's one of my concerns. Well, and it's interesting to say all that because I I almost wonder if, in the same way that you're talking about getting overconfident or what have, I almost wonder if Houston and and Dana himself 
are going to get too in their own heads about it, right? Like, it, you know, if they're going to be, oh, I, I got to get this one. I got to get that one. Dana made the comments when he left West Virginia about not being able to win with those kids. Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be it'd be sure pretty, pretty darn hypocritical to then go out and lose to those kids, right? So yep. I, I feel like there's a pressure he's put on himself in that way that makes it pretty challenging. Um, uh, anyway, I, I, I think this makes it exciting for you and I, though. We're not playing. We're sitting here enjoying it as nervous. Like You can twist your stomach a little bit, but at the end of the day, we're yeah. going to talk about it where, however it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm tw- my stomach's already twisted. And I've been in some, you know, some DM conversations on social media with some people. I'm like, people, you know, a lot of – some of our fans are a little bit overconfident. And I'm like, man, we cannot overlook Houston, man. They're, this team can put up points, and they can put them up quick if we're not careful. So, uh, but let's get right into the to the meat and potatoes. Uh, as I like to say here, Parker, when I look at Houston, they've not done their, their defense has struggled. There's no secret. They have one of the worst defenses in the big 12 this year so far. Uh, and they're, so what would you say? So stick to that side of the football. What would you say has been the biggest issue for Houston on that, on that side of the football so far? Healthy and consistent linebacker play. I actually really like their defensive line. So I hesitate to say like the whole front seven, but they've had trouble stopping the run uh, and they've had trouble stopping the run. Probably, honestly, since week one against UTSA. Um, now, I I look at this team, though, and think, like, their defensive line is talented, so why? what's the issue there? But the linebackers have rotated a lot, and that implies to me the guys are just playing out of scheme. Uh, one of the linebackers that had moved down to linebacker this year, named Hassan Hippolyte, had kind of been a consistent player at that level, but he's been moved back to the safety spot like he played last year because of some other injuries, right? And so mm-hmm. that takes some consistency out of there as well. But truthfully, both Texas Tech and TCU and our Big 12 games, um, uh, Texas Tech put up 49 points and TCU was 38 points, and they just ran the ball down our throats. I mean, you, you all saw them up close and personal too. Taj mm-hmm. Brooks and Imani Baylor are very talented backs. I don't mean to take anything away from them, but we we looked outmanned at the point of attack in, in some of those instances. Mm-hmm. and. So if Houston's going to turn this thing around, I think the big deal would be stopping the run with that linebacker level of defense. Um, that's the biggest weakness as I see it. And that obviously is where if we're playing you guys this Thursday, that doesn't bode too well for what y'all like to do. So yeah, yeah that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. I do feel like, I do feel like we have a matchup advantage there because our offensive line is, as you know, with, with Zach Frazier, all American center there, uh, we have two really good tackles on the ends and in, in Doug Nestor and Wyatt Milam. Assuming Milam will be back, he, he got an eye poke in the TCU game that pretty much swelled his eye shut. Uh, and it was after the whistle, by the way. I I want to throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, he we think he'll be back, um, you know, because he'll have a week and a half or almost two weeks to, t- to heal up. So we think he'll be back. But, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're really confident in our offensive line. And uh, we feel like, you know, we've, We've been able to hold our own against pretty much everybody that we played. Uh, Penn State was obviously a really tough matchup for us, but our O line played okay. They didn't, you know, they didn't play great, but they played okay. We were in that game up until the end, really. So uh, I feel like we do have an advantage there. Uh, but the one player up front that I do worry a little bit about with you guys is at least looking at the stat sheet now is Nelson Caesar. He he has four and a half sacks already on the season. Can you talk about him a little bit? Yeah, he's an edge rusher. He's a guy that was, um, I think Athlon had him as a preseason second-team all-conference guy. Um, you know, and if I were picking one guy on our defense to make an all-conference team, it probably would have been him. Um, he is a traditional edge rusher type guy. Uh, you mentioned the sack count. He's at four and a half sacks. 
I would add that through, you know, four and a half sacks and we coming off a of bye week, so we've only played uh, five games. Um, the four and a half sacks is impressive. We realize how often he does get chipped and doubled. He is listed at more like six three and change, six four, and more like 250, 260, depending on what year you're looking at his weight. And I guess probably like what day you're looking at his weight. Um, but he is a good pass rush type guy. Um, and he's good enough in the run game. The truth is, is that, like I said, the run game has not really been the defensive line's problem to me. Um, I feel like they've held their gaps in position fairly well. Mm -hmm. The deal is, is that there's only four of them, right? And they play with two traditional edge rushers, stand-up type guys, Nelson included. Um, but Nelson can get after the passer. Like, if this turns into a passing game, I bet Nelson gets him one in this one as well. The the yeah. truth is, is that that's kind of his M.O. Right. Yeah, and so so he concerns me. And you say he, he moves around a lot, right? Yeah, so you'll see on third and long, he'll line up, he'll line up on either side of the defensive line on whatever down. And then on third and long, you'll see them look like they're in three down front. He's almost walking around like a linebacker. He's very athletic, very quick, and good with his hands. Yeah. So he's listed as an edge rusher, but he's really just a pass rusher. He's a really, really talented pass rusher. And, uh, you know, it, we're recording on a Sunday. Those guys get paid to play on Sundays, typically, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, a, that's a premium position. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, that, that gives me, that makes me feel a little better about it, but even though he may get one. Um, I, you know, I mentioned our two tackles. Mm -hmm. Doug Nestor, White, Milam, they have played really, really well this year. Two of our two of our higher graded performers from pro, uh, according to Pro Football Focus have been those two guys. So I'm pretty excited about that matchup. And I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure he may beat him beat him a time or two. But uh, but overall, I think they'll be able to hold their own against him. At least I hope so. Um, and then I look, you guys have six interceptions already in only five games. So speak to it, but but at the same time, I've you also when you look at your passing yards allowed, you're, you're one of the worst in the conference. <laughs> yeah, so it yeah. looks to me like you guys give up a lot of yards, but you will force some turnovers occasionally. And I get you know I'm assuming that's what you kind of rely on to keep them in games. Is that was that be an accurate statement? Yeah, it's it's a high risk, high reward kind of coverage. Um, a lot of go for the ball kind of things and man to man coverage. Um, and frankly, like I said, it's led to some interceptions. The interesting thing has been the interceptions have been. Uh, mostly a pair of transfers. Malik Fleming transferred in from East Carolina. Um, he's a 5'8 guy that court, he's a played a lot of slot corner, but opened up the season starting out the outside guy. But he had, he's had three picks on the year so far. Isaiah Hamilton is a guy that Houstonians love. He's from the city of Houston. He went to Texas Southern, the HBCU in town, and transferred to U of H this year. He's also like 5'10, but he, he's gotten himself a couple of picks, including one that. Houston didn't end up winning the Rice game, but one that kind of helped to turn that one to where I ended up going to double overtime. Um, I would argue that the defensive backs, it's an interesting because they've given up a lot of passing yards, like you said. Um, but I, I, I feel like the, the amount of turnovers they produced and then pass breakups and stuff like that too, um, I, I feel fairly confident in the corners and safeties um, in a lot of these areas. So I don't think that West Virginia is going to beat Houston through the air. I don't think they're going to have to, though. I think Houston, right. I think West Virginia is going to want to keep it on the ground, is my understanding. Right. Yeah, we will. Um, so that's kind of, you know, all for naught. <laughs> yeah, if we complete, if we can, uh, we might throw 10 or 15 passes. I mean, that's, let's be realistic. Uh, now, we'll, it'll probably be more than that, it'll probably be closer to 20, but still, we're not going to be airing the football out a whole lot. At least we don't, we hope not. If we do, it right. probably means we're not, uh, the game's not going the way we want it to. But uh, so I do, you know, I, I do feel like you guys have an advantage there because our receiving core has struggled so far to prove that they can get separation from DBs. Uh, they've had some drop issues. Now, 
a couple of the guys that were having the major drop issues are no longer on the team. They've chosen to take a red shirt for the rest of the season and transfer. So that's opened the door for some other guys to step in. Uh, last week, even though we didn't throw the ball great, we did have one drive where we had some guys step up and make some big catches for us. So we're hoping we can build on that, and that continues to improve. And, and let's be real, Garrett Green's only played three full football games this year. Actually, not even three. Really two full games and then a half against Duquesne because he got <laughs> injured He got injured in the first drive against Pitt and set out the whole game against Texas Tech. So, uh, he's you know, he's still he's still improving. You know, he's, he's, he'll continue to improve as the year goes on as well. So, uh, but I feel like you guys probably have an advantage uh, when it comes to the pass, our passing attack against your passing defense. Um, let's move over to the other side of the ball real quick. When I look at Houston, the one thing that concerns me the most when I look at them is they have one of the – this could arguably be the best receiving core we have faced so far, and that includes Texas Tech and TCU. I mean, you got Joseph Manjack, you've got Sam Brown, who, by the way, is the leading receiver in the conference right now, already over 500 yards receiving. And a West Virginia guy, right? He started yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> but, yeah, former West Virginia guy. Uh, he was here a year, maybe two, and then he transferred out uh, and has been at Houston ever since. But, yeah, uh, very good receiver. One guy that, you know, I wish we had on the roster. Um, and then you've got – Matthew Golden as well, who's who's another good receiver there. Can you speak to your receiving core a, a little bit? Yeah, I think the thing that probably ruffled Dana said several things. I think that actually probably you could argue ruffle a lot of people's feathers in Morgantown. But at Big Twelve Media Day, he called this the best receiver room he's ever had. Um, I know he has some talented rooms there at West Virginia, and I'm not. I, this isn't the show we need to debate all that. That's more off season content, I guess mm -hmm. probably. But I do think it's a very talented room and it goes fairly deep. Mm -hmm. I think. The critique I would have that's been interesting is they only they pretty much only play those three those big three Sam Brown Manjack and Matthew Golden each have over twenty catches Sam Brown has over thirty catches and the next highest is a running back has nine right like like it's very much focused on those three guys Sam Brown has all the yards he has like I said five hundred eighteen yards leading the conference just one touchdown and you get down the red zone Matthew Golden has all the touchdowns he has four touchdowns he has the least yards of the three coming into the season Matthew Golden would have been the hyped guy. He was, like I mentioned, uh, Athlon had him as a preseason All-American. He was pretty much touted as he and Patrick Paul left tackle were the two highest-ranked guys on most draft stock, draft analysis guys for Houston. Um, Golden has drawn a lot of double coverage, a lot of brackets, a lot of things like that, and has been visibly frustrated. I don't, I don't think he would say, I'm speaking out of turn, to say he looks frustrated out there playing ball because when he finally breaks free from a double team and finally gets separation out there, he's had a couple drops too. Um, Sam Brown has kind of picked up the slack, like I said, 518 yards through five games, it's averaging over 100 yards a game. Um, and it's it's been a, you know something they've needed, kind of a life raft. Um, they looked bad in a couple of Big 12 games, like they didn't score an offensive touchdown against TCU. I will say, in that game, they had a, a kickoff return touchdown by Matthew Golden himself, right? Uh, and so those three guys continue to look good, even really like with a couple drops here and there. Um, because they're they're just that talented once the ball gets in their hands. My my pitch has been to just throw them a screen pass, like take all the stuff mm -hmm. out of it, get the ball in their hands. Yeah, yeah, it's that's fair. And it's and this receiving core does make me nervous. Like I said, I've uh I did go back and what I've been watching some tape on them and, and watched and obviously I've looked I've looked over the numbers a lot today uh, in preparation for this and pre they're pretty impressive, man. Um 
you know, our DBs have, play, have been playing well, especially Benny Bishop right now. He has the highest number of passes defended in the conference. So my, I don't know if they will line him up um, maybe one-on-one against Sam Brown or if they'll just, you know, play him on one side or the other. They typically like to play our DBs. They, they kind of like to play him on a specific side of the field, not really mm-hmm. moving around a lot. Uh, so we'll see how that works. Um, the other corner is a guy named Malachi Ruffin, who's the only player left on our team that was here when Dana was here. Uh, <laughs> it's small world. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So he's, you know, he's a fifth or sixth year guy. And, uh, but he was a walk on at that time. He, he, he actually walked on the team while Dana was a coach and has now worked his way up to not only win earning a scholarship, but becoming a starter. And he's played pretty darn well over there. He's got a pick. Uh, he's got a pick already this year. Uh, he's been covering guys pretty well. Um, he's actually performed better than I thought he would, just to be honest with you. He's, uh, "Quote unquote," punching above his weight class, you could say, based on what right. you know, what you what you would expect him to be, being a former walk on, right? So, I'm really happy with how those guys have played. But again, I don't know that we played any receivers as talented as what you guys have. One, well, I don't mean to speak out of turn, but no. if if Ruffin's been there that long, he also is experienced. Even if he started off as a walk on, he's a very experienced guy, I would assume, right? He is um, play a lot of snaps of football, and so yep. I, I think it's going to you know Houston's got good receivers. It's going to take that. Um, you know, I don't remember if y'all – I wouldn't have been doing Texas Tech stuff here, got to remember, but Houston's quarterback is a tra- Texas Tech transfer named Donovan Smith, who's played some Big 12 football before. Big big guy, 6'4", yep. we remember 250. Um, and he's the guy in charge of distributing the ball. Um, he had a turnover problem at Texas Tech, where admittedly he threw too many interceptions. And this year, the thing that's kind of got, you know, some criticism is he's almost holding on to prevent throwing interceptions. He's like holding on to the ball too long, right? Okay. Um, and the thing that, you know, getting a new offense, it's very understandable, but it, it certainly led to some some higher sack numbers. I don't know enough about, because again, y'all played Tech and TCU and they like to run the ball. Uh, I don't know enough about this West Virginia pass rush. So selfishly, can I ask, what does that look like on y'all's side of the ball? Well, I'm glad you, that actually segued into one of my questions about you guys. <laughs> Perfect. Because I noticed you guys have given up quite a few sacks this year. And I was going to, but you also have an, a left tackle who's probably going to play on Sundays. Um, yeah. As he's well. Really good. Um, so my question was going to be is it an offensive line issue or is it Donovan Smith holding on to the ball too long? What's the issue? Receivers not getting open, uh, which I don't think that's an issue based on their numbers. So. I'll I'll answer your question to say yes. Our has been our pass rush has been really good. Uh, we 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 I think we have uh, one or two less sacks than you guys do on the season. From a, you know defensively, um, but we get home a lot. We don't we don't necessarily get a lot of sacks, but we have a lot of hurries, a lot of knockdowns, a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I mean, if you watch almost every team we've played, the quarterback has been under duress for most of the game. Um. So that's, you know, to answer your question, that's there's that. Yeah, I, I would say as far as the issues Houston has, a little column A, a little column B. Um, like I said, I think Don Smith is holding on the ball too long because he's both cognizant of what happened when he was at Tech and why he ultimately lost the starting job at Tech. And I think he's also, you know, um, learning a new offense. And so the reeds, the banjos, the audibles, those kinds of, all those kinds of things are all a little different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully by after bye week, by middle of the season, that thing's kind of settled out and out of the system a little bit. I do think though that the offensive line is having not the anything y'all wouldn't you wouldn't expect in moving into a power five conference. And y'all went from a, a it was a little bit different when West Virginia transferred up to the to the power, to the Big Twelve, but 
uh, and moving America into the Big 12, I think you're seeing a lot more consistent, talented pass rush. I mean, there's no, there's no play where you get a 245-pound defensive end. There's no play where you're playing a 300 or even a 290-pound nose. To, those, there aren't a whole lot of those guys anymore, so those reps are a little bit different. And then admittedly, I've been critical of the guard play. I think uh, the tackles and center are all right. The left tackle is a lot better than the right tackle. Left left tackle Patrick Paul, like you mentioned, he'll be playing on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, it's just a where and when he's tra- drafted. Um, I don't know if the right tackle is ends up being a, a, a drafted guy or not. Um, I think they're both a lot better than the guards, though. And the guards end up <sighs> giving up some stuff in stunts, getting caught off gu- off guard, no pun intended, and stuff like that. And to me, that ends up leading to more guys in Donovan's face, and then things just start to spiral. Um, I, you know, I say I'll say that they were competitive through a half against both TCU and Texas Tech. Um, they were down one score in each game at half, and frankly, had made a couple mistakes in each half, each of those two games that would have put them in the lead against Texas Tech. They got mm-hmm. two special teams touchdowns in the first half and walked into halftime down just seven points uh, against TCU. They had a couple turnovers in the first half. Like I mentioned, didn't have an offensive touchdown. We're still just down 20 to 13. Um, so I think they've shown that they can compete by and large. It's just the mm-hmm. longevity of the game, the depth charts, yeah. and those kinds of things yeah. do wear down when you're moving up into the big leagues, and, and we're seeing that play out. Right. And when you look at our defensive pass rush, most of our most of our rushing success has come from the left side of the defense. We have a, a, a bandit named Josh Bartlett who likes to rush. He's, he's a pass rush guy, too along with Sean Martin, who's our defensive end over there, who's 6'5", 290, uh, near 300 pounds. Uh, really long, really lengthy, really pretty athletic as well. Those are the two guys that cause a lot of havoc on that side of the line. But when you mention the guard play, one thing Houston fans pr- probably need to be cognizant of is we have a middle linebacker named Lee Coba, who's an absolute just ball of energy, man. I mean, he never – he's a, he's a, and he's a, like fourth or fifth in the conference in tackles right now. And that's only in five games. You know, a lot of the teams have played six games already. Um, except, you know, except our teams and I think BYU maybe. But, but yeah, so in five games, you know, he's fourth or fifth in the league in tackles. And if you look at the last couple drives of that TCU game, he was absolutely wreaking havoc. And it was in Chandler Morse's face, caused him to make a couple of uh, errant throws, um, knocked him down a couple times. I mean, he's he's really good rushing up the middle when they choose to blitz him. So that might be if they see a weakness in the guard play, guard play, they might try to exploit that with Lee Coba coming up the middle. And we've even well, had some success rushing with our safeties this year too uh, as well. Talk to me about this Coba kid though, because I was looking at stuff. This kid's played a lot of football. He went to Syracuse oh, yeah. and then East Mississippi, which is the school from um, last chance you, right? So uh, he, he's a, he looks like a guy that's kind of a very veteran football player mm-hmm. I, I didn't know he was a pass rush threat. His his numbers and stuff indicate to me, and I'm still diving into the tape as record on Sunday before the Thursday game, but he looks like the kind of guy that's, you know, at 6'1", 230, 240, two different places I haven't listed at. Um, that's like a stocky, stop-the-run kind of guy. I also have to worry about this guy rushing the passer, you're saying? Well, that's his, that's his strength. I mean, his strength is stopping the run, but he will rush the passer. I mean, he's not going to do it every play, you know, because yeah. – because he obviously has to drop back and cover some too, you know he has to do a little bit of everything at the linebacker spot. But but yeah, I mean he he can rush the passer if if they and when he does, man, he does it with event with with authority. I mean he he's not <laughs> he's a force to be reckoned with, man. He's uh he's just one of those guys that just 
uh, kind of kind of like an energizer bunny man. He just never stops. Plays with a lot of energy. Never gives up on plays. Gets sideline to sideline. Well, his biggest weakness is his pass coverage. He gets he gets. I mean, he has really good numbers, but he gets fairly low PFF grades every week because of his pass coverage weaknesses. Huh. Uh, if you look at his run stopping grades, they're usually good. Yeah. But his, but his overall PFF grade might be is usually in the mid mid to high fifties every week. He's but yeah, he, but yet but yet he'll have he'll have ten tackles and a sack. And have a PFF grade of fifty five. You know what I mean? It's it's a little mind boggling, actually. He looks in watching stuff on him briefly. He physically looks like a kid from like nineteen ninety eight, right? Like like he looks like a different era's linebacker, honestly. Yeah, yeah. He's he's he, I mean he's good. He's he's one of our better players. He's one of our leaders as well. And uh, he has played a lot of football, like you said. Started out a Power Five. It didn't work out at Syracuse. He went down to JUCO for a couple years. Wanted to prove himself at the Power Five level, so he came to West Virginia. And when he got here. He was very hungry because he had had mm-hmm. that because it didn't work out at Syracuse and he had something to prove. So he has he has a chip on his shoulder and he goes into every game with that chip. And uh, you know he, he's he, he's a hard he's a hard guy to defend uh, from a run run and, and perspective. And like I said, he can rush the passer when neat when called on to do so. Uh, just you know, he, but he 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 will get beaten pass coverage occasionally. So if you guys have a good tight end like Michael Laughlin. By the way, or someone like that who who they can get him singled on somehow in pass coverage that could be aware could be an area that Houston could exploit that. Well, and you mentioned O'Loughlin, who is a West Virginia guy. Um, he he's actually Houston has not used the tight ends like I wish they would. Um, yes, as Dan far Alderson. as yeah, never does never does. But he's had as good a year as any, and frankly, under Dana Holgerson, has probably had as good a year as you could expect a tight end to have in the past game. He's got just the four catches, but I feel like he has a couple other targets. Um, and and I, I've enjoyed watching watching him play ball here. Um, I, talk to me a little bit about as an identity and the defense. You mentioned the defensive line and having a it's a hybrid position, this bandit position, right? Um, what are, are they? What are they known for? As you've been watching, what do they do well? What as someone who watches every single snap, wh- what would you describe the defense like in a couple words? Pure chaos. Yeah, they're just they're aggressive and they cause pure chaos. So that's that's their that's their mantra. Last year, they tried to the, the staff tried to make the defense a little more uh, schematically complicated, meaning they they were trying to make it harder for defenses to figure them out, and. Did, they were and we were terrible last year in, on defense. We were one of the worst defenses in the country. So they decided this year to instead of trying to be complicated schematically, they said we're just going to be as simple as we can be. We're going to we're going to be really good at tackling, you know. So they worked on tackling a lot more during the off season and and then during camp. And we're just going to get back to the basics and 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 so we can just be really aggressive and our guys don't have to think. Because last year they had to think too much. This year they're they, they're they've taken a lot of the thinking out. And they're just letting them go play ball, man. Just go play, go play fast, and go be, go be athletic, and go be, go be you, go, go cause havoc. And the fact that we go, you know, 10, 11 guys deep on our defensive front has helped with that because we've always got fresh guys in there. And our our guy who leads the team in sacks is probably guy number six or seven on that on that list. That's that's how good our defensive front has been and how consistent they are. We can bring in a whole three brand new guys for our starters. And you wouldn't even know it because we have almost no drop off. It's it's pretty remarkable, actually. That's it's the first team I can remember in a long time that has that kind of depth up front. Now, 
I know Houston likes to go fast though. Do you, are you guys is Dana still running a lot of high tempo offense or what's what's been the in spurts? He's not doing it consistently enough. I I don't think I like that stuff. He's been doing it in spurts. You'll see, you know, in the middle of the first quarter and the second or third possession, they'll get a completion, just jump into it and go into a little bit of tempo stuff or or things like that. I haven't picked up on a, a cue as to, you know, why they're doing it or when they're doing it as opposed to just kind of gives you a little bit of an injection or a shot in the arm. Um, I think they're good at it, and I think that they should do it more often. I'd be interested to see it, and I'm going to ask you the same question. And coming off the bye week, one of the things I would like to see them get better at would be that kind of stuff more often. I mentioned the short passing game, the screen kind of stuff, but both teams are coming off a bye week, and I I think as a coach, a bye week is a blessing, right? You can like find stuff to get better at. You got a few games under your belt, so you can like actually see what you look like. Um, is there any changes in West Virginia you see happening after the bye week? I don't see a lot of changes. I think they'll – I mean, they're always going to continue to try to work on getting their passing game improved. Like I said, Garrett's experience will help there. Um, I expect we might you might see more Jaheim White. He's a fre- true freshman running back we have. He's number 22, I believe. Because C.J. Donaldson, uh, even though he's been good for us, he just – he hasn't been running as good as he as we expected him to. Uh, and we've got Jah- – and he's more of a downhill power guy. We've got Jaheim White, this true freshman, who's about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, kind of reminds you of Deuce Vaughn as far as his body type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not comparing him to Deuce Vaughn from a talent perspective. I, you know, he's it's too early. <laughs> no, yeah, but I got what you mean. Because so, I know somebody will come in the comments and say that. <laughs> it, it never fails. But I'm not comparing his skill or his, you know, where he's going to be. I think he has the potential to be that good, but, you know, whether he will be or not, who knows. But his body type, he's got that kind of body. And he's really shifty. So he's a change of pace guy for us a little bit. Uh, and and he seems and he's actually I think he's leading all of our running backs in yards per carry right now, so I'm hoping they'll give him the ball a little more. And, and Coach Brown has indicated that he wants to do that. And then we have a couple uh, receivers as well that he's probably going to get involved more. One, a true freshman named Rodney Gallagher, who's who's uh, more of a quick twitch guy that he's probably going to get involved more. He's number two. Um, and then we have a transfer from Marshall named EJ Horton, who's probably the fat, one of the fastest guys on the team. Uh, that we kind of look to to be that deep threat guy. So I expect those two guys to probably get more snaps than they may have gotten in previous games. Uh, th- but that, that's really the only changes I can. And on defense, obviously we won't see Trey Lathan, who's been our starting wheel linebacker most of the year because of the leg broken leg that he suffered. Uh, there's going to be a true freshman filling in for him named uh, Ben Cutter. Now Ben Cutter is one, another one of those guys that plays with a lot of a lot of energy. Um, but he's a true freshman, so he's probably going to make some mistakes, you know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Houston – if Houston can capitalize on that at all or try to maybe focus on him a little bit, put him in some matchup situations where they feel like they have an advantage. Um, and then, obviously, we don't know about Aubrey Burks, our, our star safety. Is he going to be back from – you know, he's the one we saw get carted off well, from, and the, from the neck injury. We don't know I was surprised to hear last – end of last week that he's coming – he's going to play again. I thought he was done for a long time when I we saw all that. We all did. Like, we all like, man. Um, so, hey, you know, uh, awesome to hear that he's doing well. I hope he's not yeah. rushing back. Um, but awesome to hear that he's doing well, right? Um, yeah. Man. Yeah, all of his tests came back negative, and Neil talked talk like he would be back. Now, maybe – I don't know if he'll be back this week, yeah. but he will be back, you know, sooner than they initially thought because, I mean, it looked really, really bad. It turned out not to be as bad as it looked, So, which, which, was, a, which was a great thing. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. A lot of it's just going to depend on him, you know, how how much, how well he recovers and how quick he recovers, and 
is there any trauma left over there, you know, that he needs another week to to recover from, whatever? Uh, I'm sure that's going to play a role, too, I would imagine. I'm sure that was a scary moment for him. It was intense. I was sitting around, you know, I'm doing a post-game show um, the night after the game or whatever, and it, I got – I got a TV right here with TCU on it, and it's TCU Western. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, yeah. like, "Oh, but like, we were all we were all freaking out in line. Like, what's going on there?" Um, yeah, so when, he, and it didn't even look bad when it happened. I mean, it looked like he just, you know, a normal tackle or whatever. But they replayed it. You could tell. Yeah, exactly. he, yeah, he hit his head on the, when he fell. His head hit smack. His head smacked the ground. So, um, I'm assuming he probably got a concussion or something from it. Would be my guess. Yeah, but yeah. But again, and with concussions, they might recover in a week, and it might be a couple weeks. You know, you never know. So yeah, at least it's not a neck, though. Like, Absolutely. The... So you know, whether he plays or not, could it? Now our backup safeties have played well, uh, Marcus mm-hmm. Floyd and and uh, Hershey McLaurin. But you know, there again, it affects your depth, right? You need guys to be able to give other guys breathers and that kind of thing. And we're we're not very deep in our secondary, unfortunately. We've had uh, we some a couple of the transfers we brought in also have season-ending injuries. One's a safety, one's a corner. So, you know, we, we've been hit with the injury bug there this year, unfortunately. Um, so so having Aubrey Burks back sooner rather than later would be a huge, huge boost for our depth. Um, real quick, I want to touch on uh, our guy, Tony Mathis. How's he, how's he doing so far for Houston? I've liked Tony a lot. Tony's been more of the between-the-guards kind of runner, um, you know, short yardage kind of guy for Houston – um, they got a they got a freshman that's got some springs to him that's more of an off tackle outside kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um Parker Tony Jenkins. is yeah, Parker Jenkins, who's mm-hmm. uh kind of come alive since the same Houston game. Um, but the big deal with Tony was he missed some time. Uh he missed a couple games in the middle of the stretch so far with like an ankle injury. Um and he's he's back and he was ba- he played some against um against tech and so now we had a bye week he certainly ought to be back now right and more full swing but i liked him a lot i think he's a tough runner and i think he's a really good blocking back too yeah i know i know that's not sexy right but like he's a good blocker no, he's a absolutely. good blocker. yeah i think that's one of the things that you know tony i don't think tony was ever the best runner on our team but it, he, he got a lot of snaps because of his blocking ability uh he was a leader in the locker room you know he's just he's and he's just a good dude man tony Mathis is just a good guy he's the kind of guy you want on your team Unfortunately for him, uh, he had gotten passed up on the depth chart by C.J. Donaldson and I think Jalen Anderson. So, mm-hmm. he, you know, he felt like he could go to Houston and may, maybe get better a better opportunity, and maybe he still will. I know once he, you know, once he has more – gets a chance for more carries, maybe he'll be able to take advantage of it. I wish I wish him nothing but the best, him and Mike Olaflin both. Uh, you know, they both spent three or four years at West Virginia and put in a lot of time. And, you know, unfortunately for Olaflin, he had some serious – I mean, he had what two or three season-ending injuries during mm-hmm. his time here. Uh, Mathis Mathis was banged up a lot while he was here too. He's you know I don't think he ever made it through a season without at least one injury. You know so. Uh, well, he's he's already had the ankle so far this year. So you yeah. knock on wood. Hopefully that's all it is. Yeah. So I, I wish him I wish him the best every other game except this one. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair but, enough. Uh, but I just wanted to get check in on those guys, and I know you know what about Juan? What about Juan Guzman over on the defensive side? He was also a West Virginia guy. He had a season. No, ender, I'm sorry, Noah Guzman. Noah Guzman had a season ending the other, ender the other day. So mm. um, I heard someone say it might have been message board talk. I don't know how much it was, but that he's going to try and apply to get another year afterwards. Um, but you know he. He was playing fine when, like I said, we, we've moved some DBs around since we've had some injuries. But um, 
he's been okay. The the West Virginia guy that everyone's loving right now is Sam. Um, right. But I, I'm sure that I, I'm sure <laughs> that that's the guy you're ultimately like rooting for in every game, but not this one, right? Because he's got the capability to really explode. Yeah, he and I'm, I'm actually surprised he's still on the team after some of the stuff we saw him do last year, uh, getting in fights with people and and all that. So I'm glad to see that he's gotten past all that, and hopefully he'll be able to stay on the straight and narrow and, and keep himself out of trouble. And you know, I, I think I heard you say on another show on uh, when you on your show with Mountaineer Paul the other day that you know he's he's grown up a lot this year and he's matured and he seems like he's doing things the right way. Is that an accurate statement? He really he does. Um, I was surprised he spoke to the media. After maybe it was the Sam Houston game, he spoke to me in one of the games afterwards, and he he just sounded like a different kid. Coos, he sounded he sounded like a grown a kid that's grown up. Some we heard him last year after games, um, and then last year he ended the season getting a fight with a Tulsa kid after the game was over, and he ended up missing the bowl game because of it. And like I said, just immaturity. Like you can't do that. You know you can't do that. Um, and then to ultimately have that guy, I thought he was very professional sounding. And his post game stuff this year. And I don't know if that's Dakeel Short, who y'all know very well, right? As a receiver's coach getting in his right. ear. I don't know if it's Dana. I don't know if it's Donovan as a quarterback in his ear. So, but somebody, I mean, he's grown up a lot. Um, yeah. I, I think those are valid things to say about him. I don't mean to discredit what you said about him from before. I just think he's grown up a lot. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I never want to see a young man with that kind of talent throw it away, right? Yeah. Because he can't stay out of trouble. Um, one more quick question. Uh, well, actually, I got two more. First of all, <laughs> What do you think, uh, as a Houston fan, Are you? what do you think about Garrett Green as, at, at quarterback for us? So I came away from, again, mostly watching TCU. Um, and my, like, I thought it was a tough kid. Um, impressed by how tough the kid was. Um, and frankly, um, you know, I don't think the arm is anything I'm too – I'm crazy worried about or, um, you know, that – and he's somebody like schematically, we got to figure break. Okay, not Patrick Mahomes, not breaking a bunch right. of rules to get ready for him or anything like that. Um, but I do think that there's something about the quarterback being a tough kid. Um, I was surprised when I was looking up statistics on him. He's not as I figured he was like a six one type guy. He's only like five ten, five eleven. And I knew I knew he wasn't a giant, but I didn't realize he was that little. Mm-hmm. Um, and little guy run around like that, like. I'm 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 taking Elsa Caesar. <laughs> like I, I he's a tough kid and I know that. I'm not saying but like you just at some point little kid little people running around get they get hurt. Um so well, I'm sure he, and he, yeah, and he's been hurt. I mean, I don't know if you probably know the, I don't know if you know the story, but well, I mentioned earlier he missed a couple games with with an ankle and he actually wasn't healthy in that game. He wasn't supposed to start that game. The TCU game. That's the announcer was saying. We're like, yeah. the, the heart of this kid, all those kind of cliches. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he wasn't supposed to start. Uh, Nico was going to start, and then Nico rolled his ankle at the end of practice th- on Wednesday that week. So instead of going with a third stringer, Neil went to DeGarrett and said, "Okay, I'm I'm, I'm giving you a chance here, but you got to prove to me that you can put weight on that on that leg and on that ankle." And he and he was able to. So he, you know, Garrett said he was 100, percent and I think even Neil said it, but he wasn't. I mean, you could tell by watching him play. He was limping a few times, and he wasn't he wasn't running with the same. He he usually cuts a little bit better than he did in that game. He still ran for eighty yards and a touch and had a long touchdown run. Yeah, and he normally cuts a lot sharper uh, than he was able to cut, but he still did enough, you know, with the, in the run game to be able to keep us in it or, or keep I say keep us in it. We won, but to keep keep us moving the chains and anytime we needed a big play, he'd make it with his feet, you know. Um, 
and he and you know he was able to make a few throws too late in the game when we needed him. But uh, but yeah, he's not going he's not going to blow anybody away with his accuracy. Uh, he does have a really good deep ball. Unfortunately, we just haven't had receivers get open enough to utilize it. Um, he, he's not the best at putting touch on the ball, and he struggles at times with the shorter throws. But you know, he's got a really strong arm, uh, one of the stronger arms probably in the, in the in the conference. He's just not deadly accurate with it at all times. Not getting to show it off then, because that that's yeah. not been what my read would have been. But you know him better than yeah. I. I just I, I hadn't gotten to see yeah. that bit. Neil said it's one of the strongest arm quarterbacks he's ever coached. Uh, and Neil's been around. I mean, you know, Neil's been at Kentucky, Texas Tech, Troy. He's been, you know, he's been here for five years. So, uh, you know, he's been around a lot of quarterbacks, including both Seth and Jerry, in, including Seth Daigie at, at Texas Tech back in back in the mid to or yeah, I guess it's around 2011, 2012 time frame. Yeah, um, uh, that was post leech, right? That was right after all that went down. Yep, yep. Last thing is Dana on the hot seat in Houston. Do you think? <laughs> um, you know. Probably not as hot as other coaches who are sitting at two and three with a loss to Rice. Um, but I will say that fans are not happy. Um, at some point, that's the way over over a lot. The real trick is is that his contract has you got to pay him out the rest of it anyway. Um, and so there's some bit of it where I'm sure that the calculus is that like if we're gonna pay him, you know, are some of these just growing? How much of this is just growing pains and moving into the Big Twelve, and how much of this is him? And if you fix all the other things, because you got to pay him anyway, right? If you fix all the other things, we'll see. I don't, and this is, I think, an unpopular or maybe an unliked opinion amongst Houston fans. I don't think he's out before the end of the uh, the calendar year 2024. I bet that's the earliest. Um, I think that the deal will be, and my show for Monday is talking about coordinators. Um, at the end of the season, I bet that he has to cut ties to the defense coordinator because they've given up a lot of yards and a lot of points. And then, then last year they let go of the offensive coordinator. He went to Miami, and they never really replaced him. Dana's not officially calling the plays. They kind of are just going with like a you know a committee of, of really? offensive coaches. I and didn't know I thought Dana was calling them. I guess uh, he's having some influence. He's having the quarterback coach Mike Burchett's having some influence. The running back coach Emmanuel Yagavi's having some influence. But really, the running back uh, offensive line running game coordinator guy. Um, but really they don't have an official offensive play caller or offensive uh, coordinator. And I would say that that's been to their detriment. Um, and I imagine that's something that they've got to have fixed for next year. Right. It, um, it's kind of it feels unforgivable at this point that, you know, that you go through TCU without an offensive touchdown. If you don't have a coordinator, that's kind of a bad look. Um, and so I, I would say it's not as hot as other people would think. But I don't think it's cool or cold. I think he is in some water right now. Okay. Interesting. Thanks for that. Uh, I personally don't think I don't think he's on the hot seat either, like a lot of people say, because number one, he's best friends with the chairman of the board and biggest donor. Two, he he's he's told everybody from the get go that they're not there yet to compete for the Big Twelve championship. It's going to take him a couple of years. I've heard him say that in multiple interviews. Yeah. Uh, he's been honest about that. And then uh, he says he th- – I did hear him say he thinks they're more ready now than he was when West Virginia went into the Big 12, you know, <laughs> but because they had a couple years to start recruiting. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, they're not – he said they're not where they need – if I, if I, if I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, he said they're not where they need to be from a depth perspective. He continues to go back to a depth perspective. The interesting thing, and I don't um, – interesting thing has been he's been consistent about the depth, as you say – 
But he also says stuff about how after all the transfer portal went so well and stuff, this feels like a Big 12 roster. I think that uh, back and forth has, you know, people question, what do you mean by this? What do you mean by I, that? Um, I got you. And I think truthfully, some of that's just coaches speak. I mean, you do this every day. Uh, like, coaches are not going to say anything too terribly inflammatory either. Right. Um, but they don't let you hear what he's thinking. I don't. But he, you know, he's not going to go out there and bash his kids. But I do think depth is a is a coy way of saying, you know, we don't have 350 pound defensive linemen like a bunch of these schools do. Mm-hmm. We don't have 335 pound offensive linemen like a bunch of these schools do. We don't have four three guys. You know, just all over. Like it's not like every DB on Houston's roster runs a four three like some of these schools do. I mean, yeah. there's gaps there. Um, right. I like our starters a lot, but the TCU game, the Tech game, we'll see how Thursday goes. When you look a lot worse in the second half, that depth does come into play. I think. Yeah. Yep. Great point. But uh, and another reason I don't think he will get fired is because the president made a comment when they hired him that they fire coaches for going what eight and four. He's only finished eight and four better twice. And he's still not fired. <laughs> still not so, fired. so that was that was an excuse, in my opinion, because they wanted to hire Dana Horson. Yeah. Um, that was when they fired Major Applewhite. That was the yeah. comment. Um, and because Major had a pretty good win loss record. And they're like, Yeah, but wait, that's not good enough for us. Well, you know, <laughs> it's how it goes. <laughs> yep. And Dana's been better than him one season. Just once. Just once. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm sure that's a sore spot for Houston fans. Uh, well, and, and Major wasn't particularly liked, <laughs> but oh, yeah, really? no, I think everyone misses Herman, uh, Tom Herman from before yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, uh, everybody don't forget to go check out Parker. He's over on Locked On Cougs on, on YouTube. Talks Houston Cougars. I know he does football. He also does basketball. So hopefully we'll have him over on our, uh, we, we opened a big 12 slate with you guys this year. So hopefully we'll be able to get you over on our Hoops from the Hills channel. Or, mm-hmm. or do some kind of collaboration there with you during basketball season as well. Uh, For sure. Where, where else can they find you? Like I said, all social media handles are at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512. And then the show is every weekday, Locked on Cougs. Uh, Cougs is C-O-O-G-S. I think C-O-U-G-S will take you to BYU. <laughs> but, so make sure you get those right. But other yeah. than that, it's Locked on Cougs. Every day, 20, 30 minutes, Houston Cougar uh, talk right now is in the heart of football season. Mm-hmm. But we do do basketball and all kinds of off-season content as well. So come check us out. Yeah, for those of you who are watching, it's it's up on the screen. So you can see how it's spelled. Both his X handle and his uh, YouTube channel are spelled out for you there. For those of you who might be listening, uh, CO, locked on Cougs, C-O-O-G-S, and at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512. Well, Parker, man, it's been fun. I've enjoyed this chat with you. Uh I'm excited about Thursday night's game, and uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. <laughs> thanks for having me on, man. It's always good to talk, Coos. Absolutely. And everybody, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you the next time in Q Country Roads. <laughs>